From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Wow, it is great to be back with you. And I am here with several servants, and today's going to be kind of a special episode. So first of all, let's do some introductions. I'm Scott Armstrong, but to my right, my lovely wife, Emily Armstrong. Hey, everyone. To her right, AJ Fry. Hey, guys. And to his right, his lovely wife. That sounds kind of weird for someone else to call someone lovely wife. <laughs> but anyway, his <laughs> lovely wife, Chelsea Fry. Fun facts with Chelsea. Fun fact. A baby puffin is called a puffling. <laughs> that a sounds puffling? like a Harry Potter or a Star Wars. <laughs> sounds like a stuffed animal. <laughs> it does. Or but Pokemon. I found more information puffling. for a puffing, puffin because I didn't know really what it was. It's a bird, right? But here, let me show you this picture so you can react to it. Okay, yes. this is great for an audio medium. <laughs> yes, yes, we're going to post the picture. But aren't they so cute? They are. are going to love the picture you when you see one. it. Puffling reminds me of cufflinks. Puffling. No. Not, not at all the same. No. It's like a fuzzy cufflink. To feed its chick, a puffin parent will carry around 10 fish in its beak. No way. Oh, wow. But the, that Those bird is small. tiny. They yeah. are small. That's a lot of fish. But the largest haul recorded is a whopping 62 fish in one beak. No <laughs> way. Wow. Do you think the puffin was like trying for the record? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, the record 61. Ego, I got, like went. chubby bunny. <laughs> like chubby bunny. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out who counts them. <laughs> who's, who's the guy that got that job? Now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's true. How would a researcher know that there was one at 62 and, and not 63? Right. right. Like, they have a puffin world record. <laughs> too much time on our hands when we're counting these kinds of things. <laughs> and the puffin has to say chubby puffin. Chubby, <laughs> chubby puffin. <laughs> okay. Well, you have heard some laughter and some different voices here, too. We are not just uh, the Fries and the Armstrongs. We have a wonderful couple with us, and I'm going to let you all uh, introduce yourselves. So let's start. I am Gary Fawcett, and this is my lovely wife, Naomi. Three lovely wives. That's right. That's right. Hello, everyone. (laughs) And we are the uh, Genesis parents. Does that make sense? Does that even sound right? Yeah, that's okay. The, yeah. Honestly, so yeah, kind of informally, we uh, refer to them as the parents for the missionaries that are serving with Genesis. So uh, essentially, they're, we have a bunch of 20-somethings that have come through and that are, are, are missionaries. And Gary and Naomi have met that need that they have had to just, oh man, it's their first culture shock. It's their first you know time coming out, living alone without mom and dad a lot of times uh, and without any family. And so sometimes you guys have been cooking, you've been uh, resolving different issues, you've and mostly just been loving them and uh, praying for them. And, Encouraging them. Yeah. And it's not just during training. Um, right. It's... It's so much more. Well, before we get into all that, I want to just kind of kind of hear a little bit about your guys' past. Before any of this missions craziness, what, what were you guys? What were you doing? Well, that, uh, it was a really boring career for me. I, I started out as a uh, paramedic in the fire department in the 80s. Oh, and uh, yeah, it was like emergency 911. I mean, it was really cool stuff. Right? The stuff we were seeing on TV, that was all that, you. That was all me. That's right. In fact, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I went up through the organization and ended up uh, retiring as the fire chief of a local city uh, near Seattle, Washington. 
So that was my career. And I directed a child care center for like 20 plus years, and then I became the church administrator for the office. Awesome. In Washington. In Washington. Yeah. That's where we raised our children, and our kids and grandkids all live in Washington now. No. So what you're saying is you're not 20-somethings that have never had a career. No. Oh, no. <laughs> exactly. No, we've had our career. Been there, done that, and now we're on to better things. <laughs> now, now, I've known you a little bit from California, too. How, mm-hmm. how does that connection? Well, both of us were raised in California. I was born in California. I think you were born in California. Yeah. Yes. How about that? So we were raised in California in uh, different cities, different churches. And then Naomi and I um, met uh, through a church event in Southern California. And uh, then I went into the Navy right out of high school and uh, went to the Vietnam War, came back. But we were uh, deployed. Our ship was deployed into Portland, Oregon. And so they detached me from that up to Seattle for a special assignment. And it was in Seattle then uh, that, well, actually, I'll back up a little bit. Neil and I got married. Then we were deployed to Seattle. So we were assigned to Oregon, and I got detached and went to uh, Seattle. And then Naomi and I uh, had to find a place to live. So we went to this tiny little church out in a place called Belfair, Washington. Now, we had just come from Hawaii, and it was a large church of a 1,000 people. We came to Belfair, and there was like this little town, and there was 25 people in this church, and they had the bow fiddle. The bow fiddle? Yeah, yeah, the bass fiddle. The bass, you know, the big stand up. I'm going to name my next stand up. (laughs) Yeah, it's a stand up fiddle like that. Yeah, we'd never, I mean, usually you see electric bass, right? This guy had the bass fiddle and he had the, you know, this upright piano and they had a violin and a guitar. And we're thinking, no way, we have gone back to Walton's Mountain. Mountain. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But you know what? (laughs) Where's Walton's Mountain? (laughs) (laughs) I just dated myself again. The generation. But you know what? We said, well, the first time we said, you know what? We're never going back there again. And we ended up going back. And so that's how <laughs> we stayed in that up. church for 35 that's years. Right. Three and years. Three it's church years. of Nazarene? No, it was oh, actually an Assembly yeah. of God church. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so then we raised our children uh, in that church. And um, that's how we uh, ended up in that area. And so we had our careers there. And our st- children are still there in Washington. But we, since we've been retired, we went back to California, better weather, easier. And uh, my father's 92, and uh, we help him when we're at home. And all of our brothers and sisters are in that general area. So we spend the winters in California and the uh, summers in Washington where it's cooler. But you also spent also, some time... Down in Dominican Republic or in some other places. So I'm curious, how did that transpire? Like, even remind me, because I think we were a part of it in some way. Or Yeah, the way that happened was, it was just, I think, just a God thing. The pastor of the Church of the Nazarene that we were at announced in the church service uh, that he needed chaperones for a, a work and witness group to go down into Panama. It was a youth group. And I talked to Naomi, and I had some vacations, so I said, hey, I'll I'll go. You know, I mean, why not? I love kids, you know. So that's how we ended up going. We went to Panama, and it was while we were at the working witness. Now, I'm still working as the fire chief. 
And it was through that week that I just began to uh, hear the Holy Spirit calling me to a, a life of missions. And I'm thinking, no, that's not possible, Lord. I'm a fire chief. I mean, I'm working. I mean, I've got a career. I can't like, do that now. Now, can I ask you, how, how old were you at that time? I was 57. 57 year old? 57. Can, can get a missions call too? <laughs> well, apparently, <laughs> because God gave me a call. And, I, and I, I tried to ignore it in the beginning, but it just became a thing that I couldn't get out of my mind. And by the end of the week, I knew. God had said, no, I want you to quit your work, and I want you to go into missions. Wow. wow. And so I returned to the States, and in Houston, Texas, where we land, I called Naomi, and I said, God, uh, no, I said, I have something to talk to you about when you when I get back uh, in Washington. And she said, well, what's it about? And I said, well, what? Wait, so... Naomi, yeah. tell us your perspective of when he told you that. <laughs> so yeah. all you while he was gone, I didn't go on the trip. I stayed in Washington, and I just kept feeling something was going was going on. And so when he landed in Houston and he called me, he said, we need to talk. And I said, yeah, I know. I don't know what it's about, but I know there's going to be some changes come about. Wow. And I just felt really at peace with it. It was, it was I'd never experienced that before. Mm. And uh, it was, it was really good. Really good. Did you talk when you got back or uh, like while you were still in Panama? No, no, no that no, was in talking. Houston when oh, he landed in Houston. in Houston and went through customs and everything. That's when he, because we hadn't talked the whole time he was oh. gone. And so then we waited till he got home, oh, I you see. know, that night or okay. the next morning or something and started talking about his experience and what he felt. And I felt the Lord was calling us both. I, I really, I really do. It was, it was amazing. Actually. Now, what was interesting was I still had my career. Yes. And I had a contract to fulfill. Uh, but in that contract, it allowed for either side to uh, to acknowledge that we, one or the other, wanted to release themselves from the contract. And I thought, well, I, I just ignored it. For a couple of months, I just ignored it. But yet every day, the Lord was just saying, hey, you're supposed to go into the mission work. You're supposed to go to mission missions. And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to get to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I never expressed an interest in quitting, and then things just started changing in the organization. I'd been there five and a half years. Things were going very well in my career, and I just signed a new contract, so I had still another four and a half years to fulfill, but God is calling me, and I'm saying, no, 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 no. And then things politically started going awry in the Mm. organization Mm. to where then the commissioners came to me and said, you know, I think we'd like to make a change in the organization. Huh. And I said, well, okay. Well, good. Okay. Have a nice time, you know. Yeah. And so it, it just worked out that the Lord always, if he calls you, I heard a preacher say one time, if the Lord calls you, try to get out of it. Try to get out of it. Yeah. And I thought, oh. that's odd. Yeah. Try to get out of it. And he goes, but here's the deal. If God calls you like Jonah, you will not get out of it. Huh. And and I thought, man, I am a Jonah. <laughs> He's found me, you know. <laughs> he spit me out of the fire department, and I'm in missions work. So that's how I quit the uh, department, retired, actually, after uh, 33 and a half years. So I had my full pension. And then Naomi and I began to discuss, well, now what? What's the first step? And we did believe that it was going to be back in the Mesoamerica area. So together we said, you know what? 
why don't we go to language school? I mean, I, we did not want to use a translator. So why don't we just go to language school? So I'll let Naomi talk about the language school. Here. So we went to Costa Rica for three months and studied Spanish. And then we went back to California and Washington. And then we went the next year, we went two different times for two months and three months. So we have about eight months of Spanish language school and we need a lot more. And you, <laughs> and you would never know. It. <laughs> Naomi, was Costa Rica for you your first experience, like international it living was. for a while? It was. I had never How been out of the then? country except to Canada did it before going to firm what God was telling you or did you have like periods of doubt or like to, learning language at, and tell her about the first tell her about customs and then the first night well during our our cross-cultural training in San Diego they you know try to prepare you for everything you're going to experience going through customs and all of that and during that time <laughs> this is really they pulled me aside you know I think it was Dwayne that was dressed in in the army suit you know and he pulled me out of the whole group you know and put me over to the side and tried to take my passport and and it just (laughs) scared me to death don't be separated don't go separate so so when we got to costa rica i was so afraid the whole time because we were going to have to go through customs and i had no idea what to expect Mm -hmm. and so we kept going and i kept waiting okay when are they going to do this when are they going to do that and when we got Mm -hmm. all finished it was like Okay, Gary, now what? He goes, we're done. And I, I couldn't believe it. And so, you know, we've never, like, right now, it was so easy. But actually being in Costa Rica, as far as confirming the call, at that point, I was a little confused still because uh-huh. going to language school at my age, I felt like it was very difficult. Yes. I had a really hard time yeah. um, living in a new culture. Plus, I had some physical issues with my mm-hmm. foot and my knee. Mm-hmm. And so that compounded the whole thing and because of my limited abilities at that point we had to find something that I didn't have to do a lot of walking so work and witness was out which we thought that's what we would do but work and witness is out and then Shelly Webb said you know the Armstrongs are starting a new program let me talk to them and so then that's when she introduced us to you guys and you told us about Genesis and at that point you really didn't know what the position was going to look like or anything but we thought well that would be something I could do because I can take care of a house I just can't do a lot of walking so that's how we ended up here. So, Naomi, what has been something since you've been doing this ministry? What has been something that tells you, like a story or something that you have that just says, yeah, I'm where I'm supposed to be. This is definitely what God has called me to. Well, with each group, there's several stories, always lots of stories. But I think the whole, to sum it all up is, I love being the mom to the missionaries. I, I love that role. I it absolutely thrills my heart to be able to be with them and to take care of them. And then after they leave and go on the field to actually still stay in contact with them and they'll send me an email or they'll send me a text. I send them one and we stay in contact and it just gives me that many more kids to love. (laughs) That's just, that's that's just part of me. Yeah. (laughs) I want to hear about the, like, I, I kind of know, so I know how to guide this question, but tell us about the retreats that you guys do, because I think it's super cool. Well, every part of what we do in Genesis is a cool part, right? <laughs> I want your job. <laughs> but one of the things that uh, occurred in Genesis when we first started uh, with Scott and Emily and with the Genesis initiative was that 
we were just taking care of the house when the missionaries were you know, in school and in training. And that was uh, the first time that we had experienced the missionaries. And what's interesting about that is like we had come down earlier and was doing some work in the house. And we thought, you know, this is okay that we can do this, you know, but it's not exactly what we signed up for. And then all of a sudden the missionary showed up Hmm. and then God said, this is what I called you for. Mm. It's never about the things of the world. It's about the people of the world. Like repairing a water pump doesn't. Yeah, that was. (laughs) Gets you his motive. Yeah, I mean, it was okay, but it wasn't exciting, you know. And by the way, thank you for repairing the water pump. We needed that several times. (laughs) Several times. (laughs) And so we, we got into that. And then, Chelsea, after that, the... We were at the end of the first training session, and then the missionaries that had already been deployed were coming and returning back, and they were getting ready to exit uh, Genesis. And they saw the house because they didn't have house parents, Mm. and so they had nothing. They didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have—it was just really vacant— and so when they came back, they saw this house and we were just encouraging the missionaries and we were helping them and fixing them breakfast and, and getting them out the door and receiving them back for lunch. And we were just doing all these things. And these missionaries that are coming and returning, they're saying, what's up with this? Where did these guys come from? Where were they when we needed them? You know. And so Scott, I recall in their exit interview, asked him, if you could change one thing in Genesis, what would it be? And interestingly enough, you had told us that night that several of them said, give us a Gary and Naomi in the field. Mm-hmm. Why are you hiding them in the house? Mm-hmm. So that's how we, we began to think, well, what does that mean? Because until that point, Naomi and I had committed to coming to Dominican Republic for training 30 days out of the year, maybe 40, and then we go on with our lives. And uh, everything changed at that point. And, and Scott and Emily and I and Naomi began to think, well, wh- what does that, what would that look like? I mean, how can we help them in the field? And so one of the things that we, the Lord spoke to us and said, look, in order to encourage you, got, you know, at some point you need to be there with them. Mm. And so out of their two-year program, we chose to go and visit them uh, after one year. In the middle of their time in the field, we go and we we didn't know what to call it, so we call it a retreat, which is, I think, a very good word because we take them out of their work mm-hmm. and we take them away and we give them a retreat and we give them a vacation, a lot of rest time, but always a swimming pool somewhere, <laughs> uh, morning devotions. Good and, food. Yeah, good, good food, of course. For <laughs> <laughs> the missionaries. A lot of ice cream. missionaries. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's very important. It's very important their day. Very important part of their day. We also meet their leaders and we visit their sites that where they've been working. And so we get to see firsthand and we get to hear stories and see people and meet people that have come to the Lord because of their ministry. Yeah, which is totally, totally cool. It's also cool for them to get to show you the work. Like I think of like kindergartners that come home and they're like, look, mom, I drew this. And it's Terrible, but you put it on the fridge. <laughs> it makes them super pumped. So you guys are the parents. 
and they're showing you their work. And it, it is, and it's a it's a very exciting moment when we arrive, awesome. and and there are a lot of hugs and a lot of crying, but a lot of joy and excitement. And then we're there for four days, <clears throat> and then we leave again. And at that point, there's a lot of sadness, but we try to keep it up and say, no, we're not saying goodbye. We're just saying we'll see you later because we're going to see them when they exit the program again. Awesome. So truly, they have become our family, and we and we've enjoyed that. Naomi, I know that when we first started talking about the retreats, like the thing that really pushed you guys in your faith was we talked about fundraising and finding Mm. people to come alongside you. Because when you were first coming for 30 days to the DR, um, it was something you guys were able to do. Um, So do you have maybe just one story of how God's increased your faith through people that have come alongside and what you've seen God do through fundraising at this point in your life? Probably one of the most difficult things for us was to approach other people. And present our ministry and say, you know, we really need help. But that was something that we needed to do in order to fulfill this position. And so the one story that that really stands out in both of our minds is our very first retreat. We were going to go to San Pedro Sula. And That's in it, Honduras. In Honduras. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, the retreats are expensive and they cost about $4,500 per retreat at that point. And so I had to make all the reservations and all the plans, but the money wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And so about two weeks before the retreat, I asked Gary, I said, okay, what are we going to do? We we don't have the money, but we need to confirm all of these reservations. And he said, just put it on a card. There's nothing else we can do. We have to go. And so we both prayed about it and we put it on a credit card and about 10 days before we left... Mm -hmm. Now, now, let me. Can I interject just for a second? Tell them just back up just a little bit at the prayer time in the house here. Well, when the missionaries came back after they had told Scott that they needed a Gary and Naomi in the field, they came to the house and and they told Gary, you know, this is what we're going to do. You guys are going to come and visit us. And and but Gary came to me because he knows I get real uptight about things like that. He said, "Don't worry. When I talk to them tonight, I'm going to let them know it's not possible. We can't do this, but just let me handle it. We're going to have a family meeting." So we had a family meeting and they said, "Well, we're going to pray about it." Because mm-hmm. Gary said, you know, financially, we just can't do it. We, It's mm-hmm. very expensive. And they said, we're going to pray about it. And so Gary said, okay, God that's great. God will provide. And, and uh, Gary said, that's great. And they said, no, we're going to pray now. So they put <laughs> us in the middle of the living room, and, and then they all formed a circle. And there were about 25 of them at that time. Mm-hmm. We didn't know somebody was videoing it. So we have it as a keepsake for us, yeah. a reminder wow. to us. But they prayed, and and when they prayed, they really prayed. For one and a half hours, we prayed standing oh, in the living room. Wow. And wow. and to go back and look at that now and re- recall how we felt, that they were with us. We weren't doing this alone. We knew we had their support. We knew we had their prayers, and yeah. we knew God was answering the cries of their heart. Mm-hmm. And so getting back to going to San Pedro Sula, we had a a call from a friend of ours who, in the course of time, her husband had been uh, laid off of his job as a school teacher because of his age. He was approaching retirement age, but wasn't quite there, and they were trying to get rid of all the old guys. So they actually fired him after 32 years at this high school. And they filed a class action suit and actually got a settlement from it. And they said, you know, we hear you need help. 
what do you need? And Gary says, well, what do you mean? Do we need airline tickets? And she says, no, the whole thing. How much do you need for the whole trip? And Gary told her, well, they're about $4,500. And she says, okay, we'll send you $5,000. And that'll give you a little bit extra money. And we said, oh, you guys can't afford that because he was unemployed. And she said, look, it's going somewhere. So if you don't take it, some other missionary will get it. And Gary says, we'll take it. And so that was our first and probably, and we've had with each trip, each trip, God has provided not a lot of times early, but always by the time we leave, the trips are all taken care of. Wow. And it's it ha- it's a miracle because yeah. it. I mean, that's a God thing. Yeah. That's when we first when we first started presenting our role as the missionary care facilitators to the churches, and we were concerned when we went to the churches uh, and expressed our need uh, for support that they were going to think. Yeah, sure, right. I mean, I'd love to have a ministry like that where I go, you know, and have a retreat, you know, with, go to with a hotel. missionary and go to a <laughs> hotel and swimming pools. And But you know what? We tried to stay away from those type of issues to we're going there to take care of the missionaries. We're there to encourage them. You know, I, you know, Paul says in Acts chapter 14, you know, he's talking to the church and he says, Barnabas and I have heard your cry. We've heard your call and we're going to return to encourage you to remain in the faith. And Naomi and I took that scripture and that's what we try to do. So yes, there's a lot of fun. And yes, there's a lot of time for rest, but our role is to encourage those missionaries who have worked extremely hard over the last year. It is difficult to start out in a new work in a foreign land that they are not comfortable with. It's not their culture. It's not their country most of the times. And so Naomi and I work through that to care for them and to help them and encourage them so they can keep on going and keep that faith. Yeah, and I would just like to say how how important that is. Um, for anybody who's listening as well, like to take care of our missionaries, not just as a missionary, but I know there's a lot of missionaries around the world that are in a new place and they feel all alone because maybe they're the only missionaries in that entire country or in that um, neighborhood or city and they feel alone by themselves. And it's important that we as the church come alongside them and encourage them and tell them you're not alone. We are, we are praying for you. We are on your side and uh, we want to help. We want to be there for you. And I think what you guys are doing in your ministry is is so important that I think the whole church um, could adopt more of as well. We're, we're learning and we're getting there. I think the Church of the Nazarene is getting better at that part of it. But um, thank you, both of you, for what you're doing, because that speaks a lot to us as as representatives of the missionary community. Well, thank you. Thank you. And that is true, AJ. The church has seen the need, and they are responding very well. Yeah. And, uh, and it's like Naomi says, not not overabundantly, God supplies our needs at yeah. the time that we need them. And so it's it's worked out very well. Yeah. We thank God. We praise God for that. Well, our time is running running out right now, but I would just like to say kind of publicly, uh, as this goes uh, to all of our listeners, thank you. Thank you guys for what you're doing, and uh, thank you for taking the step. And uh, it started out, and we didn't even have really a job description for what you would do. <laughs> but you guys, whatever job description we did develop, have we developed one? I hope we have. <laughs> um, whatever yeah, going to get on that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's an so, evolving. It's, yeah. But you guys have gone above. <clears throat> and beyond. I mean, you're, you. you're when you're not on quote unquote on the field, even at a retreat or on during training or something else, you're still constantly in contact. Every and that's day. something that you guys 
can do in a different way than we can do as coordinators. Sometimes we're in contact with ministry issues, Mm -hmm. you know, and some other things, but you guys are constantly in contact, just really focused on their well-being, Mm -hmm. spiritually, physically, emotionally. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think for for now, I think uh, we have to wrap that up. This may may not be the last time we're with you guys, but thanks for taking this time. And thank um, you for letting us share. Thank you, appreciate it, guys. We are the Worthless Servants. I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm Emily Armstrong. I'm AJ Fry. I'm Chelsea Fry. I'm Naomi Fawcett. And I'm Gary Fawcett. And we'll talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.